Thank you for listening to this audio recording from the pastoral team at Church of the Redeemer, an Anglican church in Greensboro, North Carolina. If you'd like to know more about Church of the Redeemer, its ministry, or its mission, then visit us online at RedeemerGSO.org. Please be seated. Good morning. That's what I would expect on Spring Forward Day. One person grumbled and cups are flying everywhere. I must have done something wrong to get assigned to preach on Spring Forward Day. So it is a great day to be with you all and to worship the Lord together, to come and sit at the feet of Jesus under his words, and to um, be renewed in the power of the resurrection at work in us today. So I think God has some special things in store for us. It is also the season of Lent, so as you know, our service changes a little bit. There's some tweaks. There's a little bit uh, higher sense of reverence during the season of Lent, a focus on spiritual disciplines, a call to give up something to gain, putting aside something to take on something better and something deeper with God, and be reminded that as Jesus went into the wilderness for 40 days... We go into a wilderness, a time of seeking the Lord and drawing close to him to be prepared for his resurrection. So today we're going to look at two disciplines that are the same two sides, that are two sides of the same coin, hearing and obeying God. Let me start with this quote from Richard Foster. Foster says, superficiality is the curse of our age, the desperate need for today is not a greater number of intelligent people or gifted people, but for deep people. So I can't think of anything better for us to step into this day when we are looking at hearing and obeying the Lord than to look at the witness of Abram and hear the words of Jesus. So let's pray. We thank you, Lord God, that you are speaking to us. that you are not silent. Possibly we're not listening, but you surely are speaking. And you have ultimately spoken to us through your son. So may we hear him today. May we see Jesus. And as we see him and experience him and hear him, may we be transformed into his likeness and be your people. And we ask this in his name. Amen. So if you would turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12, and that's where we'll take some of our focus today. Um, Some of the background to this, Genesis 12, Abram, whose name later became Abraham in Genesis chapter 17. His name meant high father, and he was raised in what we call modern day Iraq today. Later in life, after his father died, his father Terah, who was a sun worshiper, a a worshiper of other gods, after he died, um, Abraham, Abram, heard God speak to him. And if you look in the text, he says, the Lord says to him, go. And he was 75, and he packed up his bags, and he went. And the text answers something I think that's real important for us. As we look at what does it mean to hear from God, 
And I do believe this is a great dilemma for us as followers of Christ. Is God speaking to us? How does God speak? How do I know that I'm hearing the voice of God? And so we see very clearly in this passage at an early point in Abraham's calling, he's 75. Now, I don't want to just pick on older people, but I think that there's a clue to this age of 75. I think this is what it implies. That Abram, for his life, I'm speculating, but I think it's, it's holy speculation here, that Abraham, for his life, had practiced and probably cultivated a life and a heart that when God spoke, he was able to hear it. So it's not an accident that God, God speaks to Abram and calls him for this great and magnificent act of the redemption of humanity through his family when he's 75. Now, there's also a part of that of his barrenness and Sarai's barrenness where God acts miraculously. But I do believe that Abram's age had meant he had lived a lifetime of learning to listen and to hear God speak so that when God spoke, he knew it. And um, our youth group and a number of folks, I think 15 teenagers and 15 adult sponsors and some of the volunteers went away last weekend. There was a big gap in the back of the room. If you remember, they went away on a retreat and Nathan Hedman taught on this. You can see the photo. And he reminded them out of Genesis 12, this very passage, that God called Abram out of something. His call always calls us out of something And his call equally calls us to something. And I believe that Abram had cultivated this heart to hear and be able to obey when God spoke and called him. So let me dwell there for just a second and ask you a question. How do you know, sitting here this morning, honestly, not with hype or... Uh, overblown hyperbole, how do you know if God has spoken to you or is speaking to you? How do you know that? And this really is a question of the modern day. It's a question that is very appropriate for us today. I, I suspect many of us have asked this question and are even struggling with this. How do you know that it's God speaking and not just something else? So let's look at, and I normally don't like to give long lists during sermons because you start to check out after three or four, but I'm going to give you a long list today. So you're tired, I'm just going to wear you out. There are a number of ways that God speaks to us. First, long list, first, he speaks to us through creation. Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. Listen to this great psalm. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet, their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. God speaks to us through his creation. But that's not the only way. He also speaks to us through dreams. Read the prophet Daniel. 
He speaks to us in visions. Read the book of Nehemiah. We actually have acted on a vision even out here as a church. It wasn't just one person who heard it. It was a congregation of people who've heard, believe, and acted, and you'll get a chance to act again today. But he also speaks to us through circumstances and events. He speaks to you through the daily circumstances and events of your life, often including failure and disappointments. But that's not it. He speaks to us in prayer. Sometimes when I'm meeting with someone and I don't know what the meeting's going to be about or what they're, what's going on in their life, I will say this simple prayer. Lord, help me understand and be present and listen to this person or persons I'm going to speak to. He speaks to us in prayer as we talk to him and converse with him. Prayer is not high and mighty language. It's just like I'm talking to you. A few years ago, I was trying to practice this daily habit. I was trying to literally, as my daughter knows, that's an inside joke. Never mind. I was trying to practice the act of speaking to God out loud and audibly as if he's right beside me. And I was doing it in my car, and I drove up to a stoplight, and I'm speaking to God, and I look over, and the lady beside me is looking at me like, you need some help, because she didn't see the Bluetooth device. So God speaks to us through prayer, through simple, honest, heartfelt conversation. But again, it's not the only way. He speaks to us in a still, small voice. The, the prophet Elijah. After all the great activity that Elijah saw, God takes him up into the mountains and whispers to him in a small, still voice. He speaks to us through signs and wonders. John chapter 6. God is actively involved in the miraculous. It's not the only way he speaks to us, as you're seeing. But he speaks to us through his power, his activities, his miracles in our lives and in this world. Romans 8 says he speaks to us through his spirit. The spirit sometimes groans on our behalf when we don't even know what to think or what to pray because we're so confused or bewildered. 1 Timothy says that that God speaks to us through scripture. It's fascinating when you sit and listen to the reading of scripture and reread chunks every Sunday. You are struck by something if you're listening. You hear God speaking. It's his manner. It's his way to communicate to us through scripture. He also, as the book of Hebrews says, he speaks to us through his son. If you want to know what God thinks about you, you listen to the words of Jesus. It's unmistakable. It clarifies reality. He speaks to us, Luke chapter 23 In the breaking of the bread, as we come to the communion table, God is speaking to us in these actions. And he speaks to us in our vocations. You know, I've heard of doctors praying for patients. I know a a law firm that they get together and they pray for their cases. I know a friend of mine is a business owner of a renewable energy company, and they pray that their work blesses people, jobs, and others as they care for God's creation. He speaks to us 
through what we do in life as well. And lastly, but there's probably a couple others I'm missing. I'll put this quote on the screen. C.S. Lewis once said, We can ignore even pleasure, but pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our conscience, but he shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Now when you see this, this accumulation of lists, you begin to see that God is speaking to us through so many different ways, so many different channels. But the great question is for us, are we listening? Are we paying attention? And be encouraged. If the one or two ways that God has spoken to you are not finding fruit, be reminded he's speaking to you us in so many different ways. It's because God is intentionally committed to revealing himself to you and to me, to us. And as I said, the primary way that he speaks, not the only way, but the primary way is through his son. So the very serious question for us today is not to induce a sense of guilt, but it's to ask an honest question. Could you, would you recognize his voice? In the Gospel of John, Jesus says something very, very powerful and provocative. We have pictures on the wall in the narthex. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Do you recognize his voice? What is really remarkable about today's text, Abraham, in Genesis chapter 12, so remarkable is that we are hearing this man's name thousands of years later. And that's because Abram remarkably, inexplicably knew the voice of God. You know, I, I experienced this too as a person alive today. There are simply so many voices speaking to us today. So many things coming at us. So many things communicating to us. What we ought to do, how we ought to feel, how we are to think or believe or act. The writer Philip Keller, who wrote a a great book on Psalm 23, writes a story about shepherds. He followed and lived with shepherds for a while to see their technique. How do shepherds work? You know, those guys that carried sheep around. So he lived with them and he discovered that, especially in the the, uh, Middle East, that they would have these gates and these ponds for sheep and a bunch of shepherds would bring them together and all these sheep were mixed together. But when it was time for the shepherd to take his sheep on the road, all he had to do is say, it's time to go, probably in Aramaic or Hebrew or some uh, Arabic, some other language. But those sheep were so attuned to his voice that they could follow him. This is what Jesus is getting at when he says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. What is the loudest voice that you are hearing today? 
What voice is tugging at you the most, calling you the most, beckoning you the most? What is it? Is it the voice of God? Is he speaking and are you listening? So let's go back to Abram for a second. God spoke to him and here is one of the most consistent qualities of God's communication. When he speaks to us, he reminds his promises to us. When he speaks, he reminds us of his promises. He rarely tells us about our qualifications towards him, but he pronounces something of his character. So he reminds his promises. He is not interested in our qualifications, and he usually announces something about his character to us. In Genesis 12, verse 4, it says, Abram went as the Lord told him. He did something incredible. He heard God speak, and he obeyed him. Now, it's really tempting, just stepping back for a second, it's really tempting to hear this passage and think Abram was like a military soldier who did a yes, sir, here. He just heard God spoke. God spoke. I'm going to go. Sarai, pack your stuff. We're heading out of town. And I don't think that that's how it is here. I don't think that's the way it works. Abraham, it says in verse 3, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. In other words, there's something spiritual happening in Abraham that as he hears the voice of God, he's being transformed into a person who obeys. It's not simply a dutiful Soldier, he believed God to be who he said he was. Now, when we moved into our house out in uh, the northern high school area, we got a security system with this amazing thing called a ring doorbell. And that ring doorbell allows us to see who is at our door. And I'm going to tell you a funny story. Betsy and Jim Hunley were standing at our door. They rang the doorbell, and I just watched them for a second. (laughs) just to see what they would say, like, we don't want to be here, you know, or, or some comment they didn't. They were like, just kept pushing the button. Um, Betsy and Jim, pushing the button doesn't make it ring any louder. Just like pushing an elevator button doesn't make the elevator. I'm teasing y'all. I'm kidding. So the nice thing about the security system is that while I was in India, my doorbell rang. I'm on Wi-Fi, and I let the FedEx person in my house. I let him in. I said, who are you? And the person said, I'm from FedEx. And I unlocked the door, and they came into my house, and they dropped off a package. But lest we make this too simple, Abraham did not just obey God. He knew God. He had cultivated a life that could hear him over years. So when God spoke, Abraham obeyed. I want you to hear that very clearly. Cultivating a life of listening to God is what is necessary to follow him and obey him. When Abraham believed God, he believed God's promises. He trusted in a way of salvation that God had presented him. He did not see it. It was not present right then. He saw it from far off. In fact, he saw it 2,000 years away in Jesus. 
This means Abraham's faith was not generic belief, as we like to say with faith. I was listening to Drew argue with Logan Porter in the hallway about North Carolina's future as a basketball team. And it was great to see faith and reason at work. (laughs) Drew has faith. Logan has reason. I'm not going to say anything else. Abraham's faith was not simply reasonable. It was trustworthy. He knew that God had laid out a pathway of salvation that involved God acting. And he trusted him. This is why Jesus says in the New Testament, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and he was glad in it, just as Ben had said at the outset of of the service. So pastorally, I like to ask this kind of question. Of all the things you think God has promised you, what is it? What has God promised you? And I believe, pastorally, when you understand the answer to this question, it unlocks your ability to trust and believe. He has not promised you a good life. I'm sorry. I wish I could tell you that. But I would be dishonest if I'm telling you that believing in God means everything's going to work out well for your life. If you don't believe that, come with me to Nigeria or Syria or Afghanistan or Pakistan. When people who devoutly believe in Jesus are massacred for their faith. He has not promised you it's all going to go very, very well And you're going to be happy and smiley the rest of your life. He's not made those promises to us. He has not promised wealth and material blessings. He has not promised you a happy biological family or that relationship that you long for. He has not promised you a fulfilling career or vocation that you will flourish in. You may in this life have some of these things. You may not. He has not promised them to you. There are no guarantees, but before you get down on yourselves, he has promised you something much greater, something more beautiful and eternal, that he will be with you. That's his promises to you. He will be with you no matter what happens to you in this life. Success and failure, happiness and sadness. He will be with you. You can count on him. You can trust him. You can believe his promise to you. And not only in this life, to the end of the age, it says. Psalm 27.1, which I think is the psalm that this world needs to hear today. A world wrecked with irrational fear, by the way. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? I was recently at a meeting and I was meeting with a man, a Christian leader from Ethiopia. And we are the same age. 
And when I was in college and wondering what I was going to do with my life and where I was going to live, he was a student during the civil wars of communism. And he said it was really remarkable, these young men and young women who had encountered Jesus and believed that he was with him, they believed his promises, and when the militia leaders would come and threaten them and beat them and torture them, they weren't worried about their life. He looked us in the eyes, he's telling us this story, he said, we were not afraid of our life. We lived as if we belonged to another world and we had no fear of men and what they could do to us. And he said they could look them in the eyes and say, take my life. Take it. For I will be in Jesus' presence now and for eternity, no matter what you do to me. It is simply that kind of trust that can say, just like Abraham, hey, we're moving to a new place. It's that kind of trust that says, it is better to please God than my friends or even my family. So let's recap for just a second and consider the gospel message for us that we heard read. Hearing and obeying God as he is speaking all through different ways are cultivated in believing that God speaks. You say that again. Hearing and obeying God, believing him, it's cultivated in a trust that he is speaking and revealing himself to you. If you do not believe that he's speaking to you. You will not hear him and you will not obey him. And when he speaks, he reminds us and he renews his promises to us. You can trust me. I will be with you. He calls us to act and act decisively on his promises. Think about how your life is lived differently if you had no doubts whatsoever that God will keep his promise to you. Think about how you might approach the worries of the day, the challenges in your life. In the gospel lesson, the very familiar Nicodemus, this great religious leader, asked Jesus, what must he do to know that he'll be with God? What must I do to get eternal life? And Jesus tells him, you must be born again. In other words, you must undergo a new birth internally to know God. You are born once in this life, but to be born again means that the Holy Spirit blows and moves in your heart. Notice Jesus doesn't qualify. Hey, Nicodemus, you've got to do this, and you've got to go here, and you've got to think this way, you've got to act this way. But he says, you must be renewed and renovated and changed from the inside out. To be born again means that something in you Your heart, the depths of your personhood, responds to the promises of God. And that response creates a new, clean, righteous person in you. In fact, even your ability to respond comes from the depth of you hearing and believing God. Jesus says, this is the work of God that you believe in the one whom he has sent. Listen to me with this great promise. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's the promise of God. 
for I believe this is exactly what Abraham did. So let me try with you to think practically for just a second. Let me, let me boil this down and say, seated here today, what can I, what can we do to cultivate hearing the voice of God? The first thing is that you must believe that God is there speaking to you, reaching out to you. You must believe that. You will not cultivate a life of faith if you don't believe that God is speaking to you. I listened with great sadness this week. It broke my heart. I teared up probably three or four times listening to two men who were legends in the evangelical Christian world basically say they no longer believe this stuff. I hear, I have great compassion for what they're saying. They are smart, attractive, winsome, funny guys. They led Bible studies. They spoke at conferences. They defended the faith. And now today they would say, I no longer believe this stuff is true. It was a hoax. I was duped. I was naive. It's just a bunch of gobbledygook. And they had great intellectual arguments and questions. And many of them I have heard for years. And they have thought deeply. And on face value, I think they're being pretty logical and reasonable. But essentially, they no longer believe that God exists and that he will reward those who seek him. They have given up their faith. They trust solely in their reason. And while I can appreciate their honesty of deconstructing their faith in front of everyone, I left with a great deal of sadness. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith, without believing that God is real, that he speaks, that he reaches out to us, without that kind of faith, it's impossible to please God. It's impossible to live a life for him. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That's the heart of faith. Hearing from God only happens if you believe he is real and that he is speaking to you. Make no mistake, at this point in life, Abram was of no special account. He was probably a wealthy man, but... In the human history at his time, stage in life, he was nobody from Ur. Yet he had the most amazing quality about him. The most amazing quality. He listened to God. He knew God was not silent. He probably spent the better part of his life believing this to be true. So by the time he's 75, with gray hair, he was probably no stranger to believing God was personal and speaking to him. The first thing in hearing from God is believing he is real and that he wants to speak to you. And trust me, you would not be real and honest and a person of faith if you are not struggling believing that to be true. That's actually very consistent as a Christian to wonder and to doubt. The second quality is this, that when you think you hear him, when you think God is speaking, you process his voice in community. 
You share it with others. You weigh it. You consider it. You talk. You pray. You discern. It's unlikely that God is going to speak to you in a real and powerful way. And only you. And only for you. He speaks to us in community. We need each other. And sometimes I can think that God has said something or nudging or moving and without sharing it in community and being accountable to it and being honest about it, I make big mistakes. The most amazing scene in the Bible is in the book of Exodus for me. It's Exodus chapter 33, and I'll close with this. Exodus chapter 33, verse 12, Moses says to the Lord, You've been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you're pleased with me, Moses says, teach me your way so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. And the Lord replies, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And then Moses says this. I think this is one of the most amazing verses in all of Scripture. Moses says to God, Listen, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you've asked. Because I am pleased with you, and I know you by my name. What Moses and the other great Old Testament persons, and what we need today, is God's presence with us. His speaking, encouraging, promise-revealing presence to us. The reason I want to listen and obey God even though as a real finite person, I have doubts and I have worries. The reason I want this is that I don't want to be anywhere else without him. I don't want to do anything else without him. I don't even want to have or become anything else without him. Psalm 27.1 The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Amen.